And over here is our crowning achievement in amusement technology. An electronic version of what you call table tennis. Your primitive paddles have been replaced by an electronic... Hey, that's just Pong. Get with the times, man. Margie and I played that old game before we were married. Anyone from a species that has mastered intergalactic travel, raise your hand. All right, then. Sorry. Your game is very nice. Hi, everyone. Tim Kittrow, and you're listening to the Pie Factory Podcast here in downtown Milwaukee. Boom shakalaka! I think I came in a little bit early, but that's okay. That's what she said. I don't think she did. Oh, well, maybe not. You know what I need to do? I need to find a way to get my chair to not squeak because it picks up on the microphone sometimes. And this is a fairly new chair. I just uh, got it uh, at the height of the uh, pandemic well, two years ago. Try lubricating the uh, the ball bearings with butter. That should hmm, work. Butter. Yeah, butter. It does a body good. It's not so, bad. I like butter. Butter is delicious. Yeah. So, hi, everybody. Oh, hi. Hi, I didn't see you there. Of course. They don't have their cameras on, and we're not recording video, so how could they? Oh, good grief. Gotcha. Oh, that stings. uh, Welcome, everybody, to a side-splitting episode of Pie Factory Podcast. And when we say side-splitting, that means that Jason Voorhees is going to come to your house with his machete and work his magic. Actually, side splitting means number one hundred and thirty. That's that is true. That is true. Ooh, it's a it's a round number. So we're hmm. celebrating our one hundred thirtieth anniversary. That's right. Yeah. I was actually just the other day listening to our one hundredth episode, and man, that was a lot of fun. We need to do something similar to that again. I don't even remember what the heck we did with that one. That was the uh, bad trivia night. With oh, the, 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 I, the, I, I remember something about it. It was uh, Ferg and Zerb and Bill. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how those guys are. I haven't talked to them in a long time. I haven't heard from them since uh, about an hour ago, actually. Good Lord. Ooh, yeah, that's been a while. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, Jimmy G over here. And Sean over there. Uh, I'm I'm Sean, and uh, I I woke up in a Soho thingy and cop and said, Wow, uh, we haven't done that joke in a long time, since very early on in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, the great thing about where I live, you literally have to go over the river and through the woods. You see, we're living with my mother-in-law, which is my kid's grandparents' house. So, yeah, you have to go over the Illinois River and then through a little forest before you can get over here. Hmm. So, it's neat. So. Tis, isn't it? Tis. So, how are you doing, Sean? <laughs> oh, man. I have had... The, the past couple of weeks have been... Well, I, I shouldn't say a past couple of weeks, but three weeks ago... Or no, no, two weeks ago was hell... A week ago, I was in Vegas, and this week was hell. So, Seems yeah, like everybody's had a hell week at work I, this week. It, it really, it, they really have. They really have. And oh, dude, um, oh, dude, I think possibly the day this podcast is released, it'll be our seventh anniversary because we launched. I think, I think at least our podcast showed up on iTunes on April twenty eighth. Oh wow! So. Seven years. 2015. Wow. And we're but. still still at it. That's This is the longest pod I've ever done podcasting. I think my previous podcast was five years with wow. a year off because we were I was getting tired of it. So, But I brought it back when somebody offered me a live slot, so I was doing like actual broadcasting. Wow. 
it's the longest I've ever, excuse me, that's the longest I've ever done a podcast too. In fact, it's probably because it's the first podcast I ever did. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I understand you got a podcast on hiatus right now, or maybe a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, I've I'm in the midst of uh, putting together a script for uh, what the hell is that podcast I I didn't took autobiography a, took, of a schnook. I think so. I think that's the one. Yeah. So you got a few podcasts and one in the pipeline still, if I'm not mistaken. One in the pipeline. One in one that that I've been procrastinating on that I sh- I should have been doing already, and another that I was like, you know, I just need a break. Sometimes and you so need a break. so does the world. The world yes. needs a break from Sean. They need a break of that Kit Kat bar. Oh, man, yeah. I haven't had one of those in the odds. But I you know what I do have? I some football cream right now. See, the week we're recording is the week after Easter, and my peeps have, uh, are, have fully ripened, so that's good. I love peeps. The trick to eating peeps... Oh, you're you, the one. <laughs> you don't eat them right away. You slit the plastic, open it up a little bit, and let them sit for a week until they get chewy. That's when they're the most awesome. And oh, kind of like, like those them. marshmallows they put in cereal? Is that what that is? You know, and it's interesting enough, the week before we went down to uh, Champagne because my son was uh, getting um, a recognition award oh. for uh, Illinois 4-H. And since we were down there, we went down to the town of Arthur, which is in the middle of Illinois Amish country. And they have uh, this bulk food store there called, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Beachy's. And um, they sell uh, bulk bags of uh, Lucky Charms marshmallows. And, of course, I had to pick a bag of that up. I thought that store was in Massachusetts. Bee Gees? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's one in, uh, in Arthur, Illinois. And, of course, since we were so close, we had it to drive down. It went way over to- his head, everybody. Yeah, it probably did. And then uh, when we were done there, we had to drive down to the town of Mattoon to go to Burger King. So, oh, the <laughs> uh, other Burger King that the 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 good Burger King. Oh, dude! Speaking of good Burger King, uh huh. I rarely go to fast food places, but sometimes, mm-hmm. like say, if I go to the Ghost, uh, I'll stop at the Burger King near there or somewhere else if I'm just out and about just to grab mm-hmm. a shake or a Coke or something. And they severely downsize. Like you order a large, they mm-hmm. give you, at least the places I've been, they give you what used to be small mm-hmm. because they downsize their cups. So keeping that in mind, when my wife and I were at what is now called uh, Harry Reid International Airport uh, coming back home, there is a Burger King there and I just wanted something to drink. So I went there, ordered a large Coke. I ordered it on the app and picked it up. Um, turns out that their large was one of those huge, like 256 ounce thingies. Dang. So, yeah. So I, I basically filled it up with ice and put Coke in whatever would fit. So, yeah. You ever hear uh, Dennis Miller's comedy bit no. about uh, 7 Eleven? Never. It was like, so I went to a 7 Eleven and got a big, or I was thirsty and I'm like, so uh, what do you have in a depth charge size? I guess now they have this super big gulp, which is for the person that walks directly off the surface of the sun, directly into the 7-Eleven. So, yeah, that was funny. That was off of Dennis Miller's Off-White album, Yeah, by the way. The thing is, I've been trying to cut down on sugar a lot lately, and um, something that you notice if you're cutting down on sugar Hmm. is when you have something that has a lot of sugar in it, it'll knock you on your butt. Yeah, I have noticed that, because for a while back, I had... uh, 
stopped drinking uh, sodi pop. Yeah. And um, it's like everything was just way too sweet after that. You know, if I tried to. And I think I mentioned before in this podcast, the uh, sodas at Ikea in their cafeteria, they cut back on the sugar. And if you're used to really? drinking, say, Coke all the time, uh-huh. and you drink one of their sodas, it's a little bit jarring at first. But then when you take your second drink, you think, this is all the sugar it needs. It doesn't need huh. any more. Well, whenever we go to Ikea, I usually get the lingonberry juice. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me That's too. good stuff. They're, you know what? Their food at Ikea is actually pretty good. It really is. And you can always, they always, ha- and they have that little food uh, food store uh, down like past the, uh, the the regular checkouts where you can buy some of their stuff like yeah, the, yeah. the lingonberry juice or and lingonberry the not jam. Actual and actual size hot dogs. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, Swedish, uh, Swedish meatballs. Their Swedish meatballs are very good. I don't know about the about any any of them other than the one that's up in Bowling other than the one in Bolingbrook, but they at uh, one time they used to have like like a two dollar breakfast and you had like eggs and bacon and toast and uh, never got there for that, but I've uh, always wanted to. Every time uh, my wife and I are at IKEA and I'm in the cafeteria and I see chocolate conspiracy cake, I think of you. Oh jeez. <laughs> It's a conspiracy of the chocolatiers with the Illuminati <laughs> lizard people. <laughs> Hey, if and they're making what, the frogs gay. Um, if there are any bakers listening who might know what uh, chocolate <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> cake is, uh, Pie Factory at Fab4IT.com is our uh, email. Oh, you can also reach us on Discord. <gasps> and the thing is, I know that I posted an invite in the uh, a link in the uh, the Facebook page, and I think Ooh. on Twitter. Uh, those things expire. So I don't know. Oh. I'm, I want to say that you can probably find us if you do a search for us, but I don't know. But if anybody needs an invite, just I'm uh, still trying to learn the whole discord thing. I, I guess I really don't understand it too much. It's just ch- online chat. That's all. Well, yeah, I there's, know. There's but nothing it, to understand really. If, no, if you can still... use zoom or teams or something, you can use discord. I don't know. Because I'm on a couple of Discord servers. Uh, one is the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, and then yeah. then ours, of course, which yeah. I haven't really posted much of anything to. And by the way, the reason that I said I decided to bring this up now is because we're talking about food, and I think I set up a food channel on our because oh. on our server because we talk about food a lot. Hmm. We talk yes, about we food a lot, and we talk about travel a lot. So I put those in there. Speaking in fact, of I'm IKEA Discord and right travel. Now. Uh, no, food and I- drink. Yeah, there it is. Speaking of Ikea uh, and uh, travel, uh, there's an Ikea in Reykjavik, and it's mm. just across the parking lot from uh, Costco. Yeah, highly recommended if you go to Iceland, get a Costco uh, get a Costco card, because that's the only place you're going to get relatively cheap gas out there. Hmm. So just a little, just a little, little hint. A, a little hint I'd like to offer, too. I've never actually had an opportunity to try this since I thought of this, but... Oh? If you're renting a car somewhere and you have to return it with a full tank, assuming it can take it, get that cheap E85 fuel to save yourself some money. Really? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's, that, it's, that, yeah that makes sense, yeah. I guess. Because, yeah. hey, if you're, going, if, you're going, if you're just returning the car after that, then, hey, you're returning with a full tank. I don't know if they have E85 in uh, Europe, though, because there's, like, the huge corn lobby in the united states is why you find it everywhere the yeah. ethanol better for the environment but the mileage sucks oh speaking of, of other things uh one of my favorite uh youtube channels has a video and i was uh, going to uh share a link from it uh with you 
I uh, haven't done it yet. It's you uh, mean me w- personally or the general you? Personally. You, you oh. personally. Oh, okay. Uh, it's uh, Link Walter- will not be in the show notes then. Yeah, it's Walter's Walter's World. W O L T E R. Uh, I've talked about him before. He's a uh, he has a bunch of travel uh, videos. He's out based out of Bloomington, Normal, and um, Illinois. And uh, he has a uh, his current video is top five things that will shock visitors to Chicago. And one of them was it's okay to put ketchup on your hot dog. No, it's not. And uh, I'm like, I I haven't looked at the comments on the on the on it yet, but I'm 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 uh, <laughs> okay. If you're gonna do it, do it in private. Don't do it yeah. in public. But the thing is, it's not a Chicago thing. It is a universal thing. As I've said before, the I think only it's two just that in Chicago we're the loudest about it. New York's pretty uh, loud about it too, actually. Yeah, they are. They are not uh, the cool. only not, two places. Not as loud as Chicago, though. The only two places I've know that where where it's socially acceptable to put ketchup on a hot dog is Iceland and uh, Denver. Eva, I shared you with you that clip from that uh, from the Dirty Harry movie. I believe it was Sudden oh, Impact, yeah. Yeah. where he goes on to the rant about uh, yeah. about not putting ketchup on a hot dog. And that's San Francisco. <laughs> that's San Francisco. So that, that just shows I mean, you this is not just a Chicago thing. I no. wish people would stop saying it is. It's not. No, it's not. It's again universal. Yeah, he did make the caveat: if you're getting a Chicago style hot dog, then you don't put ketchup on it. But if you're getting a hot dog in general, it's okay to put ketchup on it. Mm. One of the places in Chicago doesn't even have ketchup packets for the French fries. That would be Gene and Jude's just outside the city in River okay. Grove. And uh, the story that I read, this I think it's it's in the book called "Never Put Ketchup on a Hot Dog." It's about Chicago hot dog joints. There's a story in there about how somebody who worked there brought in ketchup so people can have it for their fries. Uh-huh. Well, one of the managers found the ketchup and scoured the entire building from roof to floor, gathered every ounce of ketchup oh, wow. and threw it out. And there are people who go over, there's a McDonald's next door to there. People uh-huh. go into the McDonald's and ask for ketchup. And uh, somebody said, I went into McDonald's and asked for ketchup. And they said, why are people asking for ketchup all the time? Well, <laughs> I, I want it for the fries. I'm going to Gene and Jude's. And the guy behind the counter said, oh, while you're there, could you get me a double char? Nice. <laughs> yeah. So that McDonald's, by the way, charges for ketchup packets because of that. Uh, of course. You yeah. have to. Yeah. If I was going to run a hot dog joint, I would offer barbecue sauce for the fries. Mm, yeah. I love dipping my fries in barbecue sauce or even mustard. I like putting mustard on my fries. I started it in high school because I'm sorry, in junior high school. Somebody said, why did you do that? And I'm like, well, you put uh, ketchup on your fries and you put it on your hot dog. You also put mustard on your hot dog. So why not try the mustard on your fries? And I did that. And I actually got a couple of my uh, fellow students uh, into it. So girl, I am a trend center. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I like Heinz ketchup on fries. Heinz has a unique flavor. Or not Heinz ketchup, Heinz mustard. Well, Heinz mustard. ketchup too. Heinz mustard is a little bit high in vinegar, uh-huh. which is also why you probably don't want to put it on a hot dog because it'll kill right. off the beef taste. You uh-huh. want something like Plockman's. Oh, gosh. Uh, Mantino's finest. Yep. Plockman's mustard. Yep. Like something kind of uh, uh, innocent. Like don't use French. I mean, French's is a good mustard. It's just not a good hot dog mustard because there's a lot of turmeric in there and it drowns out the beef flavor. Heinz mustard has... The vinegar, which kills off the flavor, so you want to take it easy with uh, whatever mustard you choose. Okay, I gotta find. There's a mustard that I love. I've brought it up before, and I have to. And by the way, yeah, I know that Gordon Ramsay introduced a hot dog on his menu that does have ketchup. But number one, 
It's a special kind of hot dog that is designed to be enhanced by the ketchup that he uses, which is not your standard ordinary tomato ketchup. So, Okay, here it is. It's a hot dog, um, but not a hot dog. It's ketchup, but not ketchup. Plockman's makes the Koskiusko. How, how do you pronounce oh, it? Koskiusko. Yeah, K-O-S-C-I-U-S-K-O. Um, they have three, but mustard, they have three different, they have a spicy brown, which is really good, mm. uh, a coarse grain, which I haven't had, and my f- probably my most favorite mustard of all time, the Koskiusko Lager Beer Mustard. That's some good stuff. Mm. And um, oh, it's man. definitely worth trying. Did I tell you, you about the root beer mustard I had? No. At uh, the Christ Kindle Market that they had at Wrigley Field, I've been uh-huh. to a couple of times. One of the places where they sell pretzels, they sell root beer mustard. It is surprisingly good. It tastes like root beer, and it tastes like mustard. Uh-huh. It's really good. Oh, you can get the Kosciuszko mustard uh, off of Amazon. It is, uh, you get a two-pack of their mustard for 14 bucks. I'm sure you can find it in the stores, probably cheaper, but uh, you can order, if you go to Plotchman's official website, they have uh, Amazon doing their fulfillment on it. Hmm. This is good stuff. Seriously. This has the Jimmy G seal of approval. Mm. It's good. Seriously, it's good stuff. I might can't even... find root beer mustard on uh, Amazon, though. It must be like a specialty thing. But beer, if you can find a good beer mustard, like I said, this one here, oh gosh. Oh, by the way, uh, people who are listening to us for the first time, uh, did we tell you we're a uh, arcade video game podcast? Oh, we are. Yeah. That is, that's exactly, you're right. Ooh, Plockman's has got uh, several different standard mustards. They've got their original mm. Biop Classic. They got one called Chicago Fire. They got one called Chili Dog and one called The Works. What's the Chicago Fire one? It says it's spiked. Uh-oh. Peppery hot sauce. And, uh, oh, it's got... Uh, Oh, it's got Tabasco in it. Ooh. So it's not all that hot, really. Well, Tabasco's got a good flavor. What's the chili oh, dog yeah, I like the I like flavor of Tabasco. Aunt Sally's Tabasco Pralines. I thought it was Praline. It's Praline, actually. Well, uh, in Monty though, Python's Flying Circus, they have a character called Mr. Praline. So. Hmm, that stuff is good. Ooh, their Chicago Hot... Their Chicago... Uh, the Works Chicago Hot Dog is a chunky mustard. Uh, huh. Buh, buh, it's got relish in it. That's why it's chunky. Hmm. Oh, that might be worth trying. So it's basically like a hot dog equivalent of, say, goober grape. Yeah. What do they have so people are mixers? too lazy to put the mustard down and then put the relish down. Just scoop it out of the jar here. Oh, by the way, the Kosciuszko uh, Spicy Brown Mustard, 2021 award winner. Ooh. Uh, of the Worldwide Mustard Competition Bronze Medal winner for Deli Brown Mustards. Ah. Um, Color me something. They got craft mustards. They've got old plaquemines. It's got a tequila mustard. No way. Holy cow! I gotta try that. Just put some isopropyl alcohol in your mustard. They got a bourbon mustard. Oh no! You're that's it. You're done. You're done. And plaquemines actually have. Thanks their for own listening, everybody. We're done now. Yeah. Jimmy G is <laughs> gonna go try this uh, bourbon mustard. Plaquemines.com. P-L-O-C-H-M-A-N.com. Um, link so, in the show notes. Link in the show notes. So let's talk about video games. <laughs> okay. You know, that would have been a great conversation to have if we were talking about burger time. Well, yeah, because, you know, Mr. Hot Dog or, Mr. or Hot whatever. Dog. Yeah. So, what? Hey, hey, what games have you been playing? I don't know why, but I suddenly got into this arcade Tetris rut uh, in uh-huh. name mainly. Um, and I don't I don't know why. So I've been playing a lot of that. Um, and 
that's really it. I haven't really been playing a lot. Uh, I am going to Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, we're recording this on uh, the Saturday before Midwest Gaming Classic weekend. And I'm planning to bring my uh, Collector Vision Phoenix with me. Nice. For... Because I'm, I'm going by myself. Oh, and I'm taking an Amtrak to Milwaukee, so I'm really Ooh, excited. Nice. Um, I, I'm really excited because I never rode Amtrak that way, so I'm looking forward to the scenery. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I have a feeling it's just going to follow 94, so I'm not really going to see much new. But still. Probably not. You never know. But still, hey, I don't have to drive. Because the thing is, when my wife and I moved to Chicago, we got rid of our cars and then just got one car for the two of us. Mm-hmm. And I asked my wife, I said, do you want me to leave the car for you when I go to Midwest Gaming Classic? She thought about it. She said, actually, yes. Just in case I want to uh, go out and do things that requires me to to have a car. So I looked into renting a car, which I did before for Midwest Gaming Classic. Problem is, the rental place we usually use Mm-hmm. moved way out of uh, our our area so it, that wasn't going to be feasible and any other rental place was closed during the time i was going to return it so i i got curious i looked up the uh milwaukee amtrak station it's like three blocks from midwest gaming classic and ergo my hotel oh so why bother and the the fares are pretty cheap too so really the mo- I'm pay I think I'm paying more for the Uber or taxi or something I'm going to take to get to Union Station mm-hmm. than I am to pay for the Amtrak fare. And it's it it would be cheaper than renting a car and it'll encourage me to not bring a lot of stuff. Well, unfortunately I will not be going to Midwest Gaming Classic. I had toyed with it, but um my daughter, my middle child, for her birthday, wanted to go to uh, Six Flags Great America. So ah. next Saturday, we're going to be heading there. Oh, nice. And then uh, the Monday afterwards is uh, I'm going to see uh, Journey with Toto. So ah. Journey with Toto. Sounds like a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. It really does. So it was supposed to be Billy Idol, but he came down with, uh, with something. And so it's going to just be Toto. Hey, come on. I'm like sorry, Billy I can't Idol. stand Billy Idol. <laughs> it's a nice day for a white uh, wedding. But, um, so, yeah, and so the Sunday I probably end up going into work because I got some stuff I need to do before uh, for my uh, flight to Iceland. In six weeks! Holy cow, that's right, yeah. It, actually, two hours shy of six weeks. Wow. Is when I'm going to be leaving the airport. So, and it's a, uh, a six-hour flight, but yet, when we get it's there... It's not too bad. Yeah, when we get there, it's going to be 9 a.m. So, good old time changes. Hooray so. for new math. New so, math. Six hours and ten minutes. So, it's like a two-hour flight to, like, uh, my mother-in-law was saying, Mike Montreal, and it's like another four hours from there. In, oh, okay. Uh, so, you, oh, your mother-in-law was saying that. So, she doesn't speak the language then, huh? No. Is so, she Canadian? Uh, yeah, she's from Toronto. Oh, okay. Hey. So, so, she says Toronto. Uh, she says a and mum. Does she say a boot? Yes, yes, she really? does. She oh, says okay. a boot. Yep. Uh, for people that don't know, the movie Strange Brew is actually a documentary. Hmm, I haven't so. seen that in decades. Oh, I, I got it on it. DVD and I haven't watched it in a while, but it's still one of my favorites. Uh, one of the it's, two it's movies. A good I, flick. It, it's it's really funny. I wish they would have made a sequel. They were talking about it in the '90s, but uh, funding fell through, and then Rick Moranis retired from acting and. That, but uh, I think we've talked about that before. He's a he's an award winning country singer now. Really? Yeah, he's won a couple of Canadian Grammys uh, for his country music. Wow! So I'm kind of curious about checking it out because, I mean, let's be honest, 
he was in uh, Little Shop of Horrors, and he was fantastic. Uh, his singing was fantastic. It was pretty decent, yeah. And when he was on SCTV, he played musical characters that uh, sang all the time. He there was did, one, yes. I can't remember the character, but he was on. Uh, oh God, what the hell was the guy's uh, talk show? But uh, he play, he did a uh, lounge version of Turning Japanese. <laughs> it was probably George Stromboopoulos because if you're Canadian, you end up on that show. If you travel no, no, no. to he, Canada, this was, a, get... uh, this was a sketch on oh, SCTV. Okay, okay. Uh, Jerry Todd. That's who it was. Jerry Todd. But yeah, hey Canadian listeners, am I right? If you ever end up in Canada, you will be interviewed by George Stromboopoulos. I have no idea who that is, so I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So. Anyway, you might be oh my God, what... the most Canadian thing I ever experienced, One, t- I think it was the first time my wife and I went to Toronto, or as they say in Toronto, Toronto. Toronto. We were in the hotel, we turned on t- the TV, and it was George Strombolopoulos interviewing Neil Peart. Oh God. I mean, come on, how Canadian can you get? And I think they were driving a Zamboni to Tim Hortons, if I remember correctly, nice. but my, my memory might be failing me, so uh, yeah. It was, uh, I think I mentioned And they were eating craft before... dinner. <laughs> macaroni and cheese uh, why do they call it craft dinner up there i don't get it i think it has something like maybe they're equivalent to the uh uh fda or something they can't oh, like legally the call macaroni? it macaroni and cheese or something yeah. i think I, I don't know if i re- recalled the story but in 1986 my dad and my brother and i uh went to um uh we went to the north uh northwest uh seattle oh and uh my dad didn't know it until I told him on the train ride out there that uh, there was a World's Fair going on up in Vancouver. So we uh, hmm. took a couple of days, went up to Vancouver. And um, in the Canadian Pavilion, it was like one of those theaters that yeah, like you sit down and then the whole seating area turns or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had a, an MC and then they had someone dressed up like a goose. <laughs> and the, uh, the lady was like, first of all, we have to teach you how to speak Canadian. So all you do is say something and then put... A at the end, like, how's it going, eh? Or in French, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that was so funny. That's the one thing with Canadians. They have a good sense of humor. Uh, something that we could learn down here in the States. Yeah, right, right. They, so, th- so you're flying to Montreal and then going to... Well, no, we're not flying to Montreal. It's, our flight is nonstop. But oh, okay. She was just extrapolating the distance based on flight times. Ah, okay. So, yeah, no, it's it's nonstop. Uh, I jokingly... Well, until uh, you get to Iceland, I hope. I hope it eventually does stop, really. Well, at some point. I was uh, joking to the wife that maybe we should take a, a connecting flight to Nuke, Greenland, N-U-U-K, which is the capital and about the size of Morris. So, don't know what you would do there, but, uh, you know... You would It'd nuke be... Greenland there. Yeah, I'm sure no one has ever said that before. Unless it's pronounced Nook. Oh. Then my daughter would say, say hi to Tom Nook for me. And I'm like, uh, that's an Animal Crossing joke for those not in the know. I so, am so not in the know. Uh-huh. The first Animal Crossing, actually, no, the Animal Crossing on the GameCube was fun, but uh, that's only because you could unlock NES games in it. Uh, couldn't really get into any of the other Animal Crossing games, but... As far as what have I been playing, you might be wondering, So since we've been jabbering on here for a good, like, 30 minutes. Ish. And, yeah, this is like one of our longest openings, <laughs> isn't it? So uh, Maybe Hyde can t- cut it down to, like, three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if he cut it down to things worth listening to, we wouldn't have a podcast. Oh, man, um, forget it. So I've been uh, playing on my Collector Vision Phoenix some more, and I've really got to find a way around this problem with the sound, because it's really irritating. Yeah, I know... HDMI is like different than others, but I, this is, 
unlistenable. I'm wondering if there's a like a splitter box you can put HDMI into to make the sound output to a speaker instead of going through the TV. Or is, wait, where is there an output on the... Uh, I don't think there is an output on the Collector Vision Phoenix. No, I'm looking uh, at mine right now. It doesn't have it. Okay, so I got to find a way around it because that's just like really irritating. It's still a great device, don't get me wrong, but the, oh, yeah, the yeah. HDMI compatibility issues are really drag it down like a notch. But don't let that stop you getting one if you get a chance, because this might be your only chance to get one. And then it doesn't happen on all TVs. A worst case scenario, I still got this cheapo projector that I got. So I've been playing on it some more. Um, well, hold on. I was turning my head. I was looking to see, because there's a game on here. Oh. Hold on a second. I got a... What was the name? Of, oh, wait. No. No, hold on a second. Oh, here it is. <laughs> okay, so I was playing a game on my collector vision that I'm really um, deep into right now called Dead Tomb. It's like a uh, point-and-click adventure, and um, I don't know how far into the game I am, but I'm, like, stuck at a point right now, and I can't figure out how to get through it. But it is really, really fun. For the most part, with the exception of where I am right now, the puzzles aren't that difficult. But um, if you like the old Lucasfilm point-and-click type adventures, uh, LucasArts ones, uh, it's, worth a, it's worth a look. So I say give it a shot. What was uh, the game again? Dead Tomb. Dead Tomb. Basically, you're a, uh, a spaceman. You're a spaceman. Yeah, and you uh, crash on top of a pyramid, and you have to find a diamond to uh, power up your, uh, your spaceship to get off the planet. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really quite fun. Um, there's the, the problem is with it being a homebrew, there's not much in the way of uh, information as far as, uh, you know, walkthroughs and that sort of thing online. Mm. But it's fun. It's fun. Fine. Again, if you get a chance, get a Collector Vision Phoenix. I hope they have some more information about uh, the 2600 adapter they were working on for it and uh, about uh, future game cores with it. But um, worst case scenario, it eventually might become the only system you ever need mm-hmm. when it comes to retro stuff. And then, of course, get the uh, Super CV from uh, Ed Ladin Controllers. Ding. And, uh, ding. I wonder if Ferg's uh, coupon code for Ed Ladin still works. The last thing I ordered was I don't think I don't know if Ed Ladin still makes these, but it's just an adapter. Uh, in fact, let me look at it. Uh, the Seagull CV, which you plug any controller you want in, and it'll work with a ColecoVision, a ColecoVision Flashback, Collector Vision, of course, too, Atari seventy eight hundred, Atari twenty six hundred, Commodore sixty four, Sega Genesis, and all that. And it has a keypad on it for ColecoVision compatibility. I got this in sometime in the last year. It still worked. The Ferg discount code still worked. Mm-hmm. Mind you, by the time people actually try to order it, he may take it away. I don't know. <laughs> we don't have a, a discount code on there, but uh, no. even if there wasn't a discount code, I would still highly recommend. Oh yeah, Absolutely. highly recommend their products. Yeah, I like their products so much. I bought a T-shirt from him too. Oh yes, T-shirts. Yep. Oh, I'm gonna have. You know what? I'm curious. Let's take a quick look at his product offerings on his website which you can get most of his stuff on the atari age store as well okay so um uh okay he he did revamp his uh, seagull 78 and he's got uh one now that you can use on it's the soup seagull 78 controller adapter 2.0 uh brings two button gameplay to the atari 7800 i think he's working on another one for like uh 
Atari ColecoVision and ColecoVision Flashback. He sells a whole bunch of parts. Uh, see, he's got five arcade controllers currently, the Super 78, mm-hmm. the Super Twin 78, which is two joysticks, so you can play Robotron and other twin stick shooters, the Super CV, that. which I have, a Super Combo, which is a Super C78 and a Super CV in one case. Hmm. Premium arcade controller for the 2600, 7800, ColecoVision Atom, Atari 8-bit computers, and C64. Oh, yeah, he's got a new one, the Super SMS for the Sega Master System and Atari 2600. Really? Uh, that's $129.99. That's his arcade controllers. Uh, he's got a bunch of uh, parts. He's got uh, arcade joystick balls. Cue the Beavis and Butthead uh, <laughs> laugh. Uh, he's got arcade fire button, microswitch buttons for $6 a piece. Uh, leaf switch arcade fire buttons. Controller extension cords and easy 78 input output. Ooh. Yep. Simplifies the process of making your own Atari 2600 7800 controller by eliminating the need for a direct wiring harness. Yeah, I think our friend, our friend and uh, Patreon sponsor Keith is actually, actually thinking about working on one of those for his Because he's got a ColecoVision one, which he I think that was his first one he had out, which huh. comes with the number pad. Oh, he's got a Sega Master System one now, too. Oh, holy cow. He's got uh, more stuff out there than I thought he did. And he's got uh, the original Seagull 78, the original Seagull CV controller adapter, which uh, blah, 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 sorry. I think that might be what you're talking about. Yeah. The Super Arcade Controller, Super Arcade Controller Plus. Oh, the, the, uh, S- the Seagull CV controller adapter is sold out. I don't oh, know if he, I don't know if he's going to make more. By the way, any, if anybody has one, I don't remember if I mentioned this in this episode or in this podcast before. But if you're using that with the Collector Vision Phoenix and things aren't quite working the way you think they should be, flip the little toggle switch and that'll solve the problem. And I here's one out. you one of the ones you have, the Supreme 78 All Play. Yeah, I know that one's not made anymore. Or at least I think it's not made anymore. I like the, the aesthetics of that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the reason, if I'm wrong, I'm sure, I, and I, I welcome Ed to correct me, but I think... One of the reasons that this is no longer made is because the the one that's eight-way, the octagonal restrictor, is built in such a way that you don't really need to convert it to four-way. Ah, okay. Like, even though it's eight ways, it's very four-way friendly. And if it's anything like the Super Twin, it really is, because the Super Twin's an eight-way, but it works really well on four-way stuff. And then he's got, uh, for swag, he's got a mug, a t-shirt, and a game controller extension cord. So... Hit up Ed Landon Controllers for all your controller needs. EdLandon.com. Link in the show You know what? I notes. wonder how he's coming along, because he, uh, he was working on an Atari 5200 controller, but I don't wonder what happened yeah. with that. Yeah, I, I don't, heard I don't anything either. In, in fact, I told him that might just tempt me to get a 5200 again if he does that. Yeah, Ed, if you're listening, uh, could you give us an update on that? Because we're legitimately curious on that, because that's yeah, a product th- we've been waiting for. I think he was talking about doing a Vectrex controller too. That would be I, nice. I don't know. I don't know if he's. Do- I mean, but you got one of the. Uh, ones I got one from, of uh, Victor, Victor Marlin's. Yeah, yeah. and it, it is really sweet, especially because he put the uh, joystick on the right for me. Uh, here we go. Anyway, that's our gaming corner. So should we get back <laughs> on to talk about mustard? <laughs> yeah, I love mustard. <laughs> uh, but a podcast I'm listening to called Knowledge Fight. It's a. Uh, they take clips from a certain conspiracy-minded uh, podcaster, and they uh, insert their uh, critique into it and tell how yeah. he's uh, 
well, let's just leave it at that. But they also have like different little other things they do. A couple of years ago, they did a they had a theme going where before they actually got into the meat of the podcast, they would drink and review like uh, seltzer waters. Oh, uh, they were going to do the uh, summer of mustard <laughs> this year, but after like two days, the guy's like, "I just realized I don't like mustard as much as I thought I did." <laughs> and um, so they're doing the dreamy creamy summer, which is just ice dessert, ice cream novelties, you know. Quiescently frozen confections. Ah, uh, the old QFCs. Yes. Are you down with QFC? Sure, I am. Yeah, you know me. Gosh, when I set up a joke, you got to bring it home. Come on, dude. Dude, so, I told uh, you I had two weeks of hell split by a nice week away. And I got in a very important uh, printer that's offline, been offline for four days, and no matter what I did to try to repair it, it still doesn't work, so... I'll, I'm just do. I'm just laughing to keep my mind off my work. Now, thank you very much for bringing it up. Oh, you're you're, you're quite welcome. You're quite, quite welcome. welcome. Uh, I don't think I've mocked see. you yet. Well, there, there, there's your first. So, uh, do we have any news or addenda? Or I Rob, got uh, nothing. Are you kidding me? I got nothing. <laughs> it's the same Chicago. I got nothing. Uh, got yeah, nothing. I, got nothing. I got nothing either. So, I got nothing. in fact, I don't even have any tea anymore because I finished my glass of tea and I don't want to get up and get more. Hot tea or iced tea? Iced. Sweet or unsweet? Unsweet. I usually uh, I start my day off with friends. a glass of sweet of uh, sweetened iced tea, for, uh, courtesy of the stuff that my wife makes. I don't um, like sweet tea. Yeah, I know you're wrong, but still. I hate sweet tea. But I, lo- I love unsweetened tea, though. It's... Oh, there! Oh, dude, at the Weber Grill restaurant, they—I uh-huh. don't—I don't remember the name of the tea they use, but it has a little bit of a blueberry hint to it. It is yeah, you so know what? good. I, I think that last time that you and me went there, I think I did. Uh, I think I did get that. That was pretty good. Okay. Uh, it's it is so good. And uh, there's a place, uh, there's a restaurant that uh, it's opening up on May first. It's seasonal. It's uh, the Dock. It's at Montrose Beach mm-hmm. here in Chicago. They use the same iced tea. It is so good. <laughs> Real quick before we get into the game, Hardee's, oh. bring back the pork chop and gravy biscuit. Okay, I'm done. So, where's there's a Hardee's anywhere you can get to? There's one about 20 miles south of me in um, Dwight, and there's one about 25 miles west of me in Ottawa. Wow. And they're actually building one at Brisbane Road in 80, which is just a couple of miles uh, east. It's between uh, huh. Morris and Manuka. And they just broke ground for it the other day. It's going to be in part of a truck stock. They used to be everywhere. They did. When I was a kid, they yeah. they were everywhere. Then they went away. Then they came back and were even in more places. Then they went away. Oh, yeah, then they, they came back. Hooked up recently. with Carl's Jr. Yeah. Then they came back within the last ten years, and then they all went away. And now they're just slowly coming back. The one in Ottawa is. Uh, it was originally a Hardee's in the eighties. Then they closed up, became a uh, travel agency in that building. The travel agency closed up. Hardee's rebought the building, and there's a Hardee's in it again. Oh man, I just realized because I'm taking Amtrak to Midwest Gaming Classic, I can't pull over at the Dog and Suds. Oh, you can't. Every year I keep thinking I'm going to go there and I never have been there. The one in Gray's Lake? Yep. I forgot about that uh, because when we make our trips to Great America, we always hit up the Dog and Suds up there. And if I go up north to do a bicycling thing, I'll always stop in at the Dog and Suds. Mm. I, I love Dog and Suds. I wish they would come back. So, uh, video games, huh? We haven't had an underwriter in a while, have we? No, we had an underwriter last time. Did we? Yeah. Oh. Do we have one this time? I, I don't think so. I don't think anybody uh, gave in. Ah, oh, we'll have to find something. 
Yeah. See if there's a business out there that wants to underwrite us. Yeah. Oh, or maybe uh, maybe Starbeat wants to announce their uh, events on us again. Oh man. Starbeat. Did I ever tell you that I thought that when I bet back when that was still a thing, I thought that was Frank Zappa singing it. Starbeat presents what's happened, and I hear my it experience now. with uh, Frank Zappa's music is very limited. Oh, me too, but he has a very recognizable voice. But now that I, when I listen to the Starbeat things now, I'm thinking, man, why did I ever think that was Frank Zappa? But at any rate, so uh, shall we uh, talk about our game? Yeah, that's right. We only have one game this time. One game, and when that happens, it usually means that we want to blast through the episode as fast as possible. <laughs> means we got nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, and also because, hey, it's episode 130, and we have, like, zeros and fives at the end, sometimes we like to just stray from our usual format. Sometimes so, hey, guess what, new stray. listeners? You're not hearing a typical Pie Factory episode. <laughs> but really, is there ever a typical Pie Factory episode? <laughs> we're uh, atypical. Yeah, you're, yeah, we have, we're up to episode number 130, and none of them are typical, I guess. They're all each unique in their own different way. A lot of them are very cookie cutter, but I wouldn't say they're typical. No. See, we always do something just a little stupider each episode just to keep yeah, it fresh. That's right. Usually that's me doing the stupider thing, but fresh still. Stupid. Fresh stupid. Fresh stupid to the rescue. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Get out of my head! <laughs> that's one of my favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater, The Girl in Lover's Lane. <laughs> They've done worse movies, but that one that I pissed them off the most because they actually had a really great character in that one. And the way that they, uh, the filmmaker took her out of the episode or took her out of the movie, like pissed them all off. She didn't deserve what she got. And I see that that was, that was actually probably the most interesting movie they've done on mystery science theater. Cause it actually didn't seem that bad. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So what are we talking about? We're talking about. Pong. Pong, 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 pong. Which I'm just going to tell you right now, I have at least the original arcade Pong that Atari did in 1972. I have never, ever played or even truly seen one in person. Same. I've never seen it in person. I've never played the original arcade Pong. Now, the closest that I've seen... In Silver Ball in Asbury Park, which is uh, billed as a pinball museum, they also have a lot of our, a lot of arcade video games there. Like I think I mentioned when we talked about Super Breakout that I played Super Breakout there. Uh, they have, they have uh, some oddball ones like that. They have an arcade Pong cabinet, but it's not the actual Pong arcade game, but Atari's home Pong console rigged up to play in it. So you go there, you go to Silver Ball in Asbury Park, New Jersey, you see a Pong cabinet. It might be a real Pong cabinet, but it's not the actual real Pong arcade game. In fact, it was Jeff Prescott who uh, pointed that out to me, I believe, because I posted some pictures of it. He's like, yeah, that's uh, that looks like the home version's screensaver there. As I say, didn't there have like color or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because when I went back a year or two later, I saw it in color. It's in this. Yeah, the original Atari arcade Pong is monochrome. It's mono everything. Monosyllabic. Mono. Yep. Mono mono mononucleosis. Mm-hmm. Mono everything. Yep. So, mm-hmm. do we know about the history of this game? I know a little bit about it uh, from what I read in Atari Inc. Business is Fun. By uh, Marty Goldberg and uh, the late Kurt Vendel. 
oh, by the way, I'm so glad that uh, Marty signed that for me because that's a huge book and I didn't want to have to lug it to Midwest Gaming Classic <laughs> to track him down for his signature. Already did that. <laughs> but according to what I read, if I can recall correctly, Al Alcorn was charged with uh, designing that game. What Nolan Bushnell wanted, he wanted to give Al just kind of an exercise to get familiar with designing video games. This wasn't meant to be a real project yet. Atari apparently was contracted by Bally of right here in Chicago to produce, I think, three video games. I think they were looking to uh, build their first video game to meet, to meet that contract. Now, what uh, Nolan Bushnell wanted, I think, was a driving game, but he told Al Alcorn, I want you to do this, an another game for practice. And uh, just to give Al Alcorn kind of a uh, fire under his seat, he um, kind of, well, I'm just going to flat out say lied <laughs> and told mm -hmm. Al that GE, that is General Electric, wanted a home video game. He said, I want you to make an analog to tennis on the Odyssey console. So that was basically the impetus right there. Make a tennis clone. And uh, the way that tennis on the Odyssey worked was your racket could actually move in four directions, up, down, and forward and backward. But uh, they wanted to keep it simple. They also told Al Alcorn, keep the cost of production to $15 or less. So that was, uh, that, that gave him an interesting little project, uh, trying to figure out how to source TTL chips cheap enough to meet that, uh, that little price point, that $15 price point. And, um, that's basically how Pong started. Uh, when Nolan Bushnell saw the game in progress, if I'm not mistaken, he wanted that to be the game that they were going to submit to Bally. He didn't originally want it that way, but after he saw it, he said, maybe this mm -hmm. could be it. So I honestly don't remember for sure if they did submit it to, ba Oh, you know, no, they did submit it to Bally. Bally said, we don't want it. Give us something else. We need something that's a little bit more snazzy because Bally was hoping that Atari would do something that was graphically more aesthetic, like something along the lines of, uh, the graphics of computer space and really the graphics of computer space are much better than the pong graphics. Let's be honest here. But I think I, I'm probably dead wrong about this, but I think what happened was uh, Atari said, fine, if you're not going to release that game, then we will. By the way, the monitor in pong is actually a real TV set. It's a black and white 13 inch TV set basically hacked so that, uh, the video game bypasses the antenna and everything. It goes straight in. Think uh, basically using a switch box without using a switch box, really. They um, put a test unit out at a bar. Uh, oh, I th it's, it's in Sunnyvale. Andy Caps? And Andy Caps bar. Yeah, Andy Caps in uh, Sunnyvale. They rigged a laundromat-style quarter slot to it. Now, the thing is, at the time, most arcade games were only $0.10 cents a play except for maybe a few really complicated electromechanical machines. Those were 25 cents each. But they set up the Pong unit in that bar and then kind of just assimilated into the crowd, grabbed a few drinks, and kind of checked back on it. And they noticed a couple of guys walked up to it. They put a quarter in, and uh, the graphics generated on the screen. The game starts, and they just watch the ball go into nowhere and the score increased on one player's side and they kind of figured out on the spot what to do and they learned how to play it 
anyway, time passes and um, they check the coin storage. Some I don't remember how much time passed, but they checked the coin storage. 400 quarters, which they totally didn't expect. They didn't know that uh, they were going to have 400 quarters. That's 100 bucks right there. They didn't know it was going to be that successful. It basically filled up the uh, the coin bucket they stuck in there. I forgot what they used as a coin bucket. To, uh, oh, well. It's in the book. It's in Atari Inc. business. It's fun. But uh, it was uh, it was pretty popular, and uh, that's basically how it started, really. Oh, yeah, something else is uh, the way that the uh, game was designed, the way the paddles work and everything. The way that the game was programmed, though, they found that when you move the paddles up and down, they wouldn't go all the way to the top of the play field. So there'd always be this little tiny gap where if the ball went through, well, TS, as they might say. It turns out that to fix that, would have uh, it, it would have been uh, a little bit on the costly side, so they decided, yeah, let's just call it a feature. And they figured, hey, it's a good way to uh, prevent tie games from going on for too long. So that's the origins of Pong. That's how it started, to the best of my memory at least. <laughs> I may have gotten some details wrong or confused or whatever. But yeah, that's it. And this, oh, I think they that uh, the higher ups at Atari wanted some more sound in it. Like for example, when mm-hmm. the uh, when someone missed the ball, the uh, uh, wanted the sound of a crowd cheering. But it turned out that they did not have the proper technology to do that. And if they could get the proper technology, it would certainly put them over budget. So Al Alcorn just used some. Uh, <sighs> trying to remember what the. Uh, what he did there, but he basically used the existing technology and the chips to generate tones and things. And that's why the sounds in Pong are so primitive. And he just put his foot down. He said, this is what we're going to do, period. I lost your audio for just a moment there. Uh, did you talk about the uh, the lawsuit from Magnavox? I did not. Is it in your notes? It is not. From what I understand, uh, Nolan Bushnell actually originally saw a version of Pong the Magnavox Odyssey. This is a home version, by the way. Yeah, tennis. Tennis at a trade show. And uh, he uh, copied the idea and, uh, you know, made his own version of Pong. Now, for years, uh, from what I understand, Nolan Bushnell denied that he was ever at this uh, at this expo and saw the Pong. But uh, from what I understand, a document was a was found from the event that actually has his signature on it. So he was there. Oh, busted. Busted. And in April of 1974, Magnavox filed suit against Atari and a couple of other companies. Uh, They argued Atari had infringed on uh, patents relating to ping pong style games. And uh, of course, uh, basically, you know, Atari lost the lawsuit and they had to pay like 750 some thousand dollars. But uh, by that time, Atari had already licensed the patents from Magnavox, so... That would not be the only Atari versus Magnavox lawsuit. Oh? Ever hear of a game called KC Munchkin? Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) But this time, Atari did the suing, but I believe they lost that one as well. Then, uh, to get uh, Pong off the ground, they shopped their home Pong units to different people at a toy fair in Chicago. Was it Chicago? I believe so. I think it was. And, uh... Nobody wanted it except for this guy from a company called, well, young people might not know it now, but called Sears. Uh-huh. And Sears gave him the money. Nolan told him they could make 75000 in time for Christmas. This was in October, November. And uh, Sears wanted double that. 
And so Nolan, even though he knew he didn't have the capacity to do that, he agreed to the 150000 They got a loan from Wells Fargo to get a bigger production facility, and they were able to get it out the door. But that's the home pong. From what I understand, the arcade pong had grown so fast that uh, they actually went to unemployment offices in the San Francisco area to try to get people in the company to uh, help build the machines. Early on, they were only making about 10 units a day, Hmm. and uh, most of them failed. But as they got more people and were able to revamp and uh, streamline the uh, production process, uh, they were able to get more out the door with a higher uh, working rate. So, yeah, those are some uh, fun things more about Pong. Well, yeah, Pong failed a lot at, I think, at uh, Andy Capps, too, because... uh, Because of the quarters issue. Not just the quarters issue, but also because they did some calculations and found that the potentiometers were being, that are under the paddle controllers, they were being twisted approximately 100,000 times a week. Which mm. was a lot more than what they that could they were handle. Built for. Yeah, yeah. So they had to basically upgrade the technology to support that because they were they were being called back to fix it a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, Andy Caps wasn't too far from Atari, from what well, I well, yeah, understand. it's in Sunnyvale. I mean, I, I'm not familiar with Sunnyvale, but I'm going to assume that it's not as big as Chicago, and you can get to places in like ten minutes. Fun fact: Marriott Corporation built two uh, Great America theme parks. One of them is just outside of Sunnyvale. Oh, that is fun. And it's still in operation today, but it's owned by Cedar Fair, the Cedar Point Company. So <laughs> the park's now got a contradictory name of California's Great America. Yep. So at any rate, fun fact. That is fun. But Yeah, it was fun. So I guess I'm going to have to ask you here, Sean, yes. have you ever actually owned a Pong console? I personally have not, but my brother, my brother's almost 10 years older than me, mind you. He had one. He had the Kmart, uh, I think it was Kmart's S4000 unit. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I remember him having that for a while. I remember playing it a couple of times with him. And it was hooked up to a black and white TV that I think my grandmother gave him, an old one that she had. Uh, there's a history mm-hmm. of that, too, because when I got my Commodore 64, my grandmother gave me an old black and white TV that I could use as a monitor for it. So, it was a while before I saw my Commodore 64 in color. <laughs> I don't remember much about it. I definitely remember the controllers, which were simply um, slide faders, really. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember, I'm looking at, a, at the box right now on online, and I, rem- mm-hmm. I definitely remember that metal twisty thingy where you select a different Pong variation on there. And all I can remember is my parents made my brother get rid of it. Really? I, I don't know why. And that's one reason I just learned to accept the fact that I would never have an Atari growing up. <laughs> but it turns out I did get an Atari growing up. So. <laughs> we, uh, growing up, my dad bought us a Coleco Telstar, which was a home plung unit, obviously, yeah. by uh, by Coleco, obviously. And um, as with most of the home plung units, the, uh, the knobs are uh, permanently built onto the console. Yeah. And uh, it actually had three games on there. They had Pong. A variation called hockey, which was basically pong, except you couldn't controlled two paddles, one on each side of the, each half of the screen. Sure. And uh, one called handball, which was a single player one, which basically you're bouncing the ball against a wall, and it's like, you know, one player pong, I guess. Yeah. And um, actually, I remember having a lot of fun with that thing. Oh. And um, sometimes you get into a groove playing the game, and you it would go like. It didn't have like single pitched uh, beeps or whatever, and you'd get into a groove and go boop 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 boop. You know, you can make all these boop 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 sort mm. of uh, 
sort of sounds. It was really quite fun. But, you know, I'm old and I was easily entertained back then. and not, Or I was young and easily entertained. Now I'm old and easily entertained. So that's the one we had. And then eventually when Atari came out with the 2600, they never had Pong on the 2600 as a standalone. Right. They had a cartridge called Video Olympics, which the Sears yep. title was Pong Sports. Pong Sports, Sports yeah. Yes. And that did have a variation of Pong in it. But uh, we keep bringing up this uh, website with the fake Atari 2600 yeah. labels. <laughs> and uh, their label for Video Olympics was every sport ever created in Pong form. <laughs> it, it, that's pretty much what. Oh, dude. True story. I have never played Video Olympics. Oh, really? I even had a gatefold box version of that. I, I never love those played gatefold it. Boxes. Those gatefold boxes Atari had early on were awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll have to do it sometime because they have, you know what? I should probably pull up the manual for that. And for what it's worth, if I'm not mistaken, the Atari 2600 was basically designed to be an enhanced Pong console. Pretty much. Pretty much. Which is why it's just amazing what you can do on that thing. It wasn't meant to be what it is now. Yeah. Okay, Video Olympics. Uh, there was a picture label and two text labels. Uh-huh. Use your standard paddle controller. Okay. The button on the side starts, uh, launches the ball. It also does something called whammy, which puts sharper angles on your return hits. You can also use it to catch, and in certain games makes the paddle jump up to hit or spike the ball. Uh-huh. Oh, and then the difficulty switches changes the size of your paddle and remember in some of these early games uh i think we talked about this when we did uh super breakout uh the paddles were incredibly small on some of the the, some of the early games but of course obviously the first game in the selection is pong then they have uh robot pong which is single player pong i was gonna ask if there's a single player game there is then they have the regular pong then they have four player pong which you put in a second set of paddles which is uh, different from some of the variations of uh, Pong in the arcade, which we'll be talking about some of those sequels oh, in a moment. Oh, yeah. Okay, then they have Pong 4-1, which is four-player <laughs> Pong. That sounds so pathetic. Yeah, which is... Uh, Pong 4-1. Four p- <laughs> Pong number 4-1. I, I know, I know. But it's, uh, it's a four-player, and um, two players are on each team. One has a pedal closer to the net, whereas the four p- Pong 4... You're both on the same line, but Pong 4-1, one is actually closer to the middle uh, of the screen, which actually sounds interesting. And you can have the speed and whammy uh, button effects in all of those games. Uh, What do we got here? Super Pong. Each player controls two paddles, and Super Pong 4, with two players on each team, each player controlling two paddles. So that's eight paddles. That actually sounds like fun. That sounds fun. Then they have Soccer, (laughs) basically two-player Pong. Uh, it's just that the instead of having the whole side of the screen being where the ball goes through, you just have a little small area, just like, uh, well, soccer. You actually have a goal. And um, then you have uh, soccer 4-1 and soccer 4-2. So let's go to the next one. Foosbong. Ah. Each person controls a line of three paddles that are uh, horizontal to each other. And uh, then they also have the standard Fafu's Pong 4, which is four players, which, uh, let me see, two lines of three, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, three, four, fifteen, sixteen, seven, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-four. Twenty-four. So, <laughs> so there are twenty-four paddles on the, on the, the, uh, the play night. field. 
and it's got the small goal just like the soccer variation. This actually kind of looks really fun. We're going to have to try that sometime. Okay, then you've got hockey, which is similar to the the soccer or the foosball. The only difference is the net or the goal area is actually out from the side of the uh, the play field. So it looks a little bit more like a hockey game. Hmm. And they got hockey 1 and hockey 2, so one player and a two player. Hockey 3, which is a two-player game, and Hockey 4-1, which has a buttload of paddles again. Oh, and they have Quadrapong. Hmm. Again, like the um, the foosball or the soccer, it's just that there's a player at the top screen, or at the top of the screen, the bottom of the screen, left of the screen, and the right of the screen. Kind of like Warlords rotated uh, 45 degrees, hmm. in a way, actually. But that's a strictly a four-player only, which is kind of sucks, because that looks like that one could be a lot of fun. Yeah, right. Then handball, which uh, they got a one or two player version. No, they only have a two or a four player version. Hmm. Basically, it's the same thing. You just got to bounce the ball and uh, you get points for bouncing the ball against the wall. Uh, Then they got volleyball, which this is interesting because instead of vertical, the paddles are horizontal and they got like a crude graphic representation of a net in the middle. And... uh, you turn the paddle back and forth, and if you hit the button, your player jumps up, and you can like spike the ball. It's actually I've, I remember playing this one; it's uh, kind of fun. And then just like that, they have basketball, which it's similar, except there's like a crude representation of a basket at the top of the screen, and you have to bounce the ball into the basket. And again, the the uh, button on the controller acts like uh, acts like a jump button. And I remember having a lot of fun with this variation. Hmm. And uh, you could accidentally shoot the ball into the opponent's uh, basket on the side of the court. We're going to have to play some video Olympics next time we get together. Yeah, I think right. you're gonna, I think you might actually like this. And I think honestly, I'm sure I will. And uh, I think that is the last variation on video Olympics. It sure is. So uh, I don't know if I actually have it on cartridge, but I know I've got it on my Phoenix. So at the very minimum, we could play it on that. And I'll have to see if my paddles work. I don't know if they do or not. I haven't used. Do paddles work on the Phoenix? I haven't tried mine. Yeah, they do. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. Wait, have I done them on? No, you know what? I think I've used them on the uh, the 7800, which I also have Video Olympics on. Ah, okay. And I know the paddles work on that. Well, yeah. So that's the Atari 2600 Video Olympics, or every every sport known to man <laughs> in Pong form, which is very apt, but... I remember it being kind of a fun little, uh, fun little cartridge, and uh, yeah, actually, I think it's, it's one of those the- things. If you have multiple people who are willing to play that with you, it could be a butt crap ton of fun. And and with the very simple graphics, it actually yeah. sh- shows a lot of creativity in how they adapted the the different sports sure. into uh, into basic pong form. The basketball and the volleyball one, I thought, were actually pretty ingenious myself. Hmm. So, um, yeah, next time we get together, we'll have to play it and maybe see if we can't get our spouses involved, too. Not mine. Mine might not either, but... I doubt she would. My kids might be be willing to. Or if we do this over at uh, someone else's place, might have uh, a 2600. So that's the uh, 2600 Video Olympics. Now, I do know that there was one of the flashbacks that actually did have Pong on it, but it it was the Pong from Video Olympics, so... Why they didn't just put Video Olympics on there and keep Pong in there, I don't know. Oh, yeah. By the way, since we're talking about this, might as well just point this out. There's a reason that you're not going to see this in MAME. And it's quite simply because Pong, the arcade game, was not done in software. It was done in hardware. Actually, it is in MAME. Oh, it is? Yes. I was actually playing it earlier. The thing is, it's not emulated. You can't emulate Ah, it. It's, um, uh, how did they put it? It's like, it's recreated. 
Uh, they, right, I yeah. Think so it's that not... is the only pong that they have on here. So it's not a true. It's not a true pong. They have right. pong and uh, pong doubles in here. And I was, like I said, I was playing pong by myself, which is not very much fun, unless you like to win, which I love to win. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Pong Doubles, which was the September 1973 four-player upright version. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or two players can play, too. So, uh, yo, so yeah, it is in MAME. But, again, it's not emulated. It's um, simulated. yeah. Simulated, which there's a difference between emulation and simulation. Yes. So, yeah, it is simulated. I looked to see if Quadrapong was on here, but I did not see it. So I don't think that's uh, been simulated yet. Quadrapong being one of possibly the very first cocktail table arcade games. Yeah, no, there's no uh, Quadrapong in here. The closest is something called Quadro Quiz 2, a hmm. Quake Arcade Tournament. Whoa, I didn't know that was a thing. Quake Arcade, hmm. So you can't find that in the meme. But as long as we're talking about that, uh, Quadrapong yeah. was an arcade game. Yep. March 1974. And as you were telling me when uh, we were texting each other the other day, <laughs> that uh, Atari really milked the hell out of Pong. Yes, they did. <laughs> uh, they had, obviously, they had, uh, there was one called Super Pong, uh, mm-hmm. one or two player game. What was super about it? Well, the paddles uh, were, depending on where the ball uh, touched the paddle, affected the angle of your shot. And uh, the ball speed kept moving. And the fact that it was also single player as well made that a uh, super pong. Uh, doesn't each player control three paddles too? Like you, you have three like know. parallel to each other. That was uh, February of 1974, by the way, when that came out. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You control each. Uh, three it's like paddles a stack each. of yes, three paddles. Yes. It's reminiscent of, uh, actually, of, of uh, Atari's Avalanche, just oriented ah, differently, how Avalanche right. had, like, the three paddles. So let's move it on here yeah. to... Well, there was a 1973 one called Pong in a Barrel. Yes. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that one, which is exactly what it says. Yeah. It, it's a Pong, look... it's a monitor inside a barrel. I believe it's a form of a cocktail table, because you actually yeah. look at it from the top of the barrel. Yes. Yeah, I think they only made, what, 20 of those, I think? Ah, that I don't know, but... Uh, and that's not to be confused with its predecessor, Barrel Pong, from the previous year. Do you know about that one? No. It was made by Atari. Um, they, Atari was still kind of using the Syzygy name mm-hmm. uh, before they had to uh, relinquish it because of uh, there was another company called that. They made it for Hunter Electronics Proprietary Limited in Australia. What it was, it was a uh, cabinet with a barrel mounted sideways on top of it, and the monitor was embedded in the barrel. It wasn't a real barrel; it was a mock-up of a barrel, really. Mm-hmm. So there was that. I don't. I just want to know that, like barrel pong and pong in a barrel. Why? Because they can. And we'll get to that in, in just a moment, though. Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> because let's just shift focus from uh, Atari to a company called Key Games. Which Wait, you to, said we're shifting focus from Atari. Oh, yeah, that's right. For people that don't know, Atari created, <laughs> created the company Key Games in the early 70s because they were afraid of uh, antitrust lawsuits from the federal government. So they created a, is it a shell company. Yeah. Yeah, called Key Games. And they basically released the same games that Atari did, just under different names. However, Key Games actually released a Pong variant before Atari did. Really? Quadrapong. Oh, they did Quadrapong? Well, it was called Elimination. It's Ah. exactly like how it it is in uh, Video Olympics. But, um, yeah, this is a cocktail table. 
And the uh, top bezel, when you look down, was curved so that you couldn't sit drinks on it. Yeah. But then Atari, let's see, when did Key Games release this? In 1973. The next year, Atari actually released it as Quadrapong. Yeah, March 74. Uh, it's, it's basically the same damn game. It's just uh, under Atari's official name. Okay, now and, the Key Games version, was the screen kind of rotated at 45 degrees? Like, yes. like on the quadra? Okay. From what, I, from what I've been able to ascertain, one of my favorite words, which, yes, it is. Yeah, which I can understand because of the way the controllers are positioned. Right. So there's that. And then um, that actually looks kind of fun. But let's go on to like, we're really talking about milking the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I know where you're going here. Atari released a couple of games that were specific versions of Pong that were specifically for doctor's offices and children's yes. hospitals. There's one called Dr. Pong, which mm-hmm. uh, was uh, like in a wood panel. Everything was wood panel in the 70s. Oh, yeah. In a wood panel cabinet. And Atari actually also offered an end table for it to sit on if you didn't have something to put it on. Oh, so, I didn't know they offered a table, mm-hmm. too. I'm looking at the flyer right here. Oh, uh, and, okay. Uh, <clears throat> let me just read from the flyer for Dr. Uh, this Pong. is from September 74, by the way. Yes. Uh, Atari designers have also put the same enjoyable Pong video game into a beautiful simulated wood grain mar- mar-proof cabinet. So it's simulated wood simulated. grain. <laughs> Dr. Pong's, Dr. Pong's simple lines and modern styling <laughs> will fit the decor of any professional office, if your office was designed like the office in the movie 9 to 5. It's compact and durable and fits easily on a standard office end table. Or, if you wish, you could purchase an optional bookcase pedestal unit especially designed for Dr. Pong in a matching finish. With shelves to hold books and other games, Dr. Pong and its bookcase stand encourage visitors to amuse themselves and pass the time apprehension-free. But they also had another one. This was more for like pediatric offices and uh, children's hospitals called Puppy Pong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a friendly puppy in his doghouse <laughs> with the familiar game of Pong inside. Kids can play Puppy Pong alone or with their folks. Now their waiting time is filled with exciting entertainment. They'll forget anxieties. It's fun and all absorbing. Adds a touch of relaxation to surroundings that all too often can appear threatening to youngsters. Puppy Pong's more fun than your office goldfish. You don't have to feed it. I love that. That's a great sentence. Uh, children, children's wards and hospitals, medical and dental offices, and other medical institutions all can benefit from the happy faces that Puppy Pong makes. And think of the pleasant kind of therapy this is to encourage hand-to-eye coordination skills. All the controls are child-proof and hazard-free. The game's exciting ping-pong sound can be made louder or softer by an external control. Completely self-contained, Puppy Pong is built out of all solid-state components for long-life reliability. And the 12-inch black-and-white video monitor offers typical TV set carefree operation. Designed for free play, Puppy Punk can also be fitted with an optional 25-cent play coin mechanism if you want to control the game use. So, yeah, both this one and Dr. Pong, from what I've been able to ascertain, again, my favorite word, both had an optional coin box. They were free otherwise, which, for a doctor's office, that's that's a great idea. Yeah. And both of them had uh, some upgrades you could make to these. Yes, yes, do tell. And this is for both of them, but I'm going to read the blurb for Puppy Pong. Okay. Uh, Atari's engineers have built Puppy Pong to allow simple in-office conversion to a simulated volleyball game by simply exchanging the Pong electronic circuit board for a volleyball board. Kids love both games, and they'll love the chance to relax whether they're waiting or recuperating. Would that be like the first conversion kit? I was wondering that myself. Would that actually be a conversion kit? I would think so. Well, if you're just swapping something out and everything yeah. else stays, then yeah, it would be a conversion kit. That might kit. be the very first com- conversion kit. I didn't even think about now, that. One thing the flyer does not tell you about is what happens when they call the kid in 
when the kid's in the middle of a game. That well, the kid dies playing pog, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Well, now the thing is, uh, these variations of pong they end at ten points. Uh, mm-hmm. I think regular pong goes what to twenty one. When I was playing simulated pong earlier, it went to eleven. Oh, really? Yes, literally okay. it went to eleven. It's no, uh, huh. no uh, spinal tap joke here. However, there's a, an addendum <laughs> to the puppy pong story. Oh. Snoopy Pong. <laughs> oh, man. This is, uh, <laughs> the game was actually, basically it was just Puppy Pong, except the doghouse was red and had, uh, it said Snoopy Pong at the bottom of the uh, the cabinet. And Snoopy is lying on top of the doghouse, as he's wont to do in the comics. N- uh, no coin slot as per the irregular Puppy Pong. There was apparently only ever one of these cabinets made. Yeah. And, uh, of course, due to copyright situation, uh, it was never made available. However, Charles Schultz uh, eventually said... Schultz. Well, it says Schultz here, yeah. So, said yeah, the, new, the Z is pronounced T-S. There is actually a T in the way they have it spelled here. Well, they have it wrong. It's spelled Schultz, but pronounced Schultz. Okay. Because the but German anyway, Z is pronounced T-S. Fun fact for you. But either way, Charles Schultz uh, said that the new game still looked a lot like a yeah. Steve's Doghouse. So, uh so, yeah, it was never released, and I don't know if there was actually any legal ramifications over the puppy pong. Well, I, I know they reached out to Schultz ahead of time and said, can we do this? And he wouldn't allow Snoopy Pong to go through, so that's when they changed it to puppy pong. You would think that since it was meant for, like, children's hospitals and it was on free play that they he would have been a little more warm to the idea, but you never know. You especially, never know. especially since with the way that uh, Peanuts characters have been licensed to bejesus and back since, uh, gosh, almost the first day, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, right. But uh, he was no... St- the marketing for Peanuts is in itself its own industry. Oh, yeah. So um, so that was an inter- <laughs> interesting one. But then again, given all of this, there were so many companies, we briefly alluded to it, that were coming out with their own home Pong consoles. Obviously, Magnavox had their, their systems because yeah. they were the originators of the idea. But everybody was getting into it, including Nintendo. Nintendo had a Pong console. Uh, in fact, maybe we should direct our listeners to a video. Angry Video Game Nerd actually did a whole episode about Pong consoles. I remember that. And he actually has one of the Nintendo Pong consoles. And eventually Atari did make a color Pong. I'm trying to remember now if the original Pong... that was released in Sears was black and white, or if it was color, because I want to think the color one was later. I don't know for a fact. Uh, either way, they milked the variations. There was a super breakout yeah. console, a video pinball console. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we talked about the Coleco Telstar, and then they had they had their own line of Pong consoles. And um, I guess you could consider Stunt Cycle kind of a Pong console, I guess. By the way, I just did a very quick search on YouTube. Telegames Pong made for Sears by Atari. That appears to be color. Okay. So I must be thinking of something else then. But uh, as we, I, I think we did say in the Super Breakout episode that Super Breakout was designed to be a one-player Pong game. Well, but yeah, Original Breakout was. Oh, Original yeah. Breakout. Yes, I'm sorry. And um, So Pong begat Breakout, which begat Space Invaders. Space Invaders and Breakout are really, if you think about it, kind of similar. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, Space Invaders was based on Pong. Uh, it was. They were basically taking the the Pong concept, or not, or the Breakout, breakout concept. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think about it, it really yeah. makes sense. And um, man, there's so much more for such a simple game. The Pong has such an amazing history. 
and other arcade companies got in on it too. Like Sega released their mm-hmm. own version of Pong in Japan. They called it, uh, was it Pong Tron, I think? Yes. Even Galloping Ghost has their own Pong, yeah, that's Pong right. machine. It's, yes. a, it's a Galloping Ghost branded Pong machine. And the last time I was there, it was like right by the uh, the restrooms just behind the, yes. uh, the main desk. Yeah, yeah. That's where it's been for a long time. And I think, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nate, but <laughs> Nate Lockhart, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, has been building a home Pong console. Oh, is that? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of lost track of, I, I missed a couple of his tweets. I was like, wait, what is he building now? <laughs> Man, he's got a lot of patience, I got to tell you, judging from from what he's had to do. I would love to see him do a demonstration of that, really. By the way, Nate, if I see you at Midwest Gaming Classic, bring your TTLs with you. Show me how to do that. Okay. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite stores might be my most favorite store of all time in the Chicago area is American Science and Surplus. I was going to guess that. Uh, SciPlus.com. Literally... Cyplus.com? S-C-I-P-L-U-S. Oh, so, okay. American Science. Yeah. It's an army surplus store. It's an electronic surplus store. It's a laboratory surplus store. You can find anything from sleeping bags and tents to beakers to electronic components to compasses. You get VCR parts from there, like the inner parts of a yes, VCR. you can. It is geek heaven. Yeah. And let me tell you. And they have... A do-it-yourself uh, Pong kit for fourteen ninety-five really? right now. You remember how much uh, Al Alcorn had to keep in budget for parts for Pong? Oh gosh, yes, fifteen dollars. And if you go to the uh, the uh, American Surf, if you go to that store in Chicago, mm-hmm. across the street from it, Super Dog. This is the one. The one I go to is in St. Charles, Batavia, right near Fermi Lab. Oh, okay. I think they've got one up in Milwaukee too. Really? Huh. I think so. But uh, here's their description, and we'll post a link to this in uh, in our show notes. <clears throat> Pining for Pong? Those newfangled virtual reality games make you wish for a simple virtual world? If you have, say, medium soldering skills, your sensory overload is over. Now you can make your own Pong-style TV tennis game and while away days at a time, just like your ancestors did. It's mysteriously compelling. Go and find an ancestor and ask. We'll work through any TV with NTSC video via RCA jack inputs one or two players and has four levels of difficulty no case but there are standoffs you add a pair of double a batteries so it's uh supply your own batteries so yeah they have it in uh Tullam pie factory sent you and while you're and they'll at be it, like who yeah and while you're at it uh browse their uh website because they their descriptions of their products are amazing <laughs> you can go there their uh their print catalogs are amazing so uh, let's see where they're, let's just double check where their locations are. Well, one is um, definitely Milwaukee Avenue on the far north side of Chicago. So if you're flying into O'Hare Airport, it's not terribly far from there. Okay. Park Ridge at 27 North Northwest Highway. In Geneva, that's the one I'm thinking of. I thought it was Batavia, but no, it's Geneva, Route 38, quarter mile east of Kirk Road. And one in Milwaukee on 6901 West Oklahoma. And um, <laughs> their their little blurb underneath their locations is very true. We encourage you to visit. Our stores aren't just worth the trip. They are a trip. Definitely. If you're in the Chicago or Milwaukee areas, definitely get to one of their stores. It's amazing. But yeah, so $15 for a Pong console. We'll link it in the show notes. In fact, let me just go back to that page and send you over the link so that we can put it up on the website. Mm-hmm. It didn't list the Chicago location? Well, it says Park Ridge, and that's on Milwaukee. Oh, because there's one that's in the city of Chicago right by. I, oh, you know what? I think they may have closed that. Really? 
Yes, unless it's, I'm thinking of the Park Ridge one. But let me just uh, send this out to you. I've been to the one in Chicago. There you go. I sent you the link. So that'll be in the show yeah. notes. So I do encourage people just to go to their website and check it out, cyplus.com. They even have freeze-dried food there, and they have like containers of different uh, types. And I was actually looking at some of these different weird containers, like some that have like wooden boxes, uh, film reel ca- uh, canisters, and stuff like that for raspberry pie uh, sort of box. Sure. So, okay, it's not okay. The the uh, Chicago store was not across the street from uh, Super, Super Dog. Dog. It was very close to it, though. Fifty three sixteen. Okay. North Milwaukee Avenue. Wait. You know what? We should do a we should do an episode from Sci- American Science and Yeah, that's Surplus. not Park Ridge. That's freaking Chicago. They got well. I'm just telling you yeah, what's on their yeah, website. Yeah, it's yeah, it's somewhere. Yeah, it's got a 606 zip code. That's Chicago. So, you know what? I'm tempted to get that pong kit. I saw it when they I was up there last time. They have a 773 phone number. That's Chicago. But at any rate, yeah, I'm tempted to get that pong kit. Uh, I saw it there, and I'm like, ooh, that's tempting. Unless they're calling it have... Park Ridge so they can avoid the taxes. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, sorry. So yeah, I'm definitely considering getting one of those. That um, wait, fourteen ninety five. That's not bad. I might get one myself. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look great, but well, I mean, hey, for fourteen ninety five, yeah, what do you expect? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. You could. There's probably a pong game on a Raspberry Pi somewhere, but uh, this is something you build yourself. You yeah. know, you solder it. Or if you want, so, or if do you know what you can get if you want to spend three thousand dollars? What's that? A coffee table. That's basically a mechanical version of Pong. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Do tell. Did you play that at all? Yes, I played it last time I was at Midwest Gaming Classic. Yeah. That is actually quite a clever device. I love that thing. <laughs> I wouldn't pay 3000 bucks for one of those. In fact, I don't know if this... Don't quote me on this. I kind of heard this like fourth hand. But you know the reason for that price? Why is that? Atari. It's basically to cover the Atari licensing. That does not surprise from what me. I, from what I heard, I, I might be wrong about that, but I think if they didn't have the Atari, like they could still call it Pong without putting the Atari name on it, and mm-hmm. it would have cost le- a lot less. But I think they wanted that name recognition. But yeah, it is so cool. It is it's a coffee table that you can actually play a mechanical version of Pong on. Mechanical Pong. It is, and really it has cool. a USB charger yes. on it for your phone, and uh, the panel feels really nice. It's yeah. got some heft to it. I saw some people critique it before. Say, oh, it's not very responsive. It was, well, wh- I liked it. At least at for the, what it is, it's fine. Yeah, and at the time that I saw that, cr- that critique, it was kind of still under. It hadn't been officially released yet. I think it was still they were right. still working the bugs out of it. But mm-hmm. even then, if I'm going to play competitive games, I don't think it's going to be on a pong coffee table. It's more of a novelty than anything. Right. And you can get uh, ottomans to sit on with the Atari logo on them. Mm-hmm. It was a neat product. It was, I think, one of the few things the current uh, trademark owners of Atari have done that is actually kind of neat. But they didn't do They, they didn't do the game. No, that's Unis They technology. really don't do much of their... Although, the current Atari is actually releasing supercharged versions of some of their games. Yeah. So, like, I, they have a Black Widow one, which I need to get. Yeah, the supercharged versions don't interest me in the least. But The Black hey. Widow one does. I, you know me. I love me some Black Widow. I know you like that game, it's, too. Yeah, but I, don't it's, think it's, I like it. it. I don't love it. Uh, where's my Steam yeah, it looks like the uh, the company that does the coffee table thing. They they do the kinds of games you see in uh, uh, Redemption arcades. It looks like uh huh. It looks like they have like kind of a skee ball looking thing. They have mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So, do we have anything more to say about Pong? We forgot a lot of. 
There, there's that the problem with Pong is again, as I said, I mean, since it's like basically the grandfather of video games. I mean, I guess you could argue computer space. Well, computer space is the great grandfather of video games. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of stories and a lot of information about it. I mean, we've really only scratched the surface. Oh really, yeah, of everything yeah. there is. It's uh, you can almost probably make a movie based on everything it did to take uh, to create Pong. When you think about it, Pong is basically a video version of uh, air hockey. Well, yeah, yeah, air <laughs> hockey is a better uh, thing, but it is derived from uh, L L not L L Corns, uh, Ralph Bear's uh, tennis for two. Yep, that he set up on a uh, oscilloscope, I think it was, and uh, it just kind of grew from there. And it's the first, I think he's first started the tennis for two in like the 50s hmm. and he had a, he wanted to do like home video games even way back then wow imagine if his uh, superiors took him seriously where the video game industry would be today had they gotten into it way back then i think we'd be seeing stuff we can't even imagine mm. well well we, we are not seeing it so we have to imagine we, yeah but, uh, sure 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 so but yeah i think you know what i'm talking about you know what i mean sure i guess and um yeah simple game but it can be a lot of fun. Uh, my favorite variation of Pong is Warlords. <laughs> Warlords is Who fair. doesn't I, love Warlords? I love Warlords. I'm still, I got to tell you, I'm still like, I just don't know what to think about this. Like when uh, our friend and, well, we mentioned him already before, but our friend and uh, Patreon sponsor Keith had a uh, gathering at his house once. And uh, he loaded up Medieval Mayhem. And we uh-huh. had like four players playing it. And after we were done, somebody who was there turned it off. And loaded up Warlords. Think about that. Yeah. It's the same game. What? It just. If you want, I guess if you want the retro feel, it's fine. I guess, but. But uh, it's it's basically the same game. And Medieval Mayhem actually looked a lot more like the arcade game. Yeah. Oh, Warlords. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I Do we really have anything more to I say? I have nothing more to say about, the, about Pong. What's your favorite variation on the Pong theme? Let's ask oh, that. Oh, good night. I don't know. Like I said, mine was Warlords. Mine? Wow. I would have to say Game 7 of Super Breakout on the Atari 2600. That's the progressive. Yes. Oh, gosh. That's such a fun game. That is, yeah, that's right up there with Warlords for me. And yes, these are both variations on the Pong formula. There's a paddle, there's mm-hmm. a ball. Yep. It's uh, They're off on their own branch of the Pong family tree, but they're still on the tree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's an amazing one. And the, the best thing about... We're going back to the Super Breakout episode, but the sounds on the Atari 2600 yes. version were all fantastic. Why they didn't do that on the Atari 5200 version with the much better sound chip has always perplexed me. I guess maybe what they were trying to do is just make it more like the arcade game. Maybe. Because it is very But sometimes similar. Atari 2600 games are better than the arcade games. Video Super pinball. Breakout. Video pinball. But yeah, they could have done that. The graphics, there's not much you could do with graphics on, on Breakout, Super Breakout. Sure. But the, what they did on the Atari 5200 version, the way that the ball doesn't just doesn't disappear, it kind of dissolves, was neat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But they should have done something with the sound on it. I know I'm preaching to the choir anyway. on that. But. So do you have any high scores no, for us? No, I checked. Uh, <laughs> the, they, they, neither of the oh, uh, no. main things that I use for oh, reference, no. they don't list them. Oh, no. What? I just found something. Oh, Hold no. on. What? I'm going to send you a link. Oh, no. And I'm going to let you read the title. Okay. So 
Uh, let me get it. Oh, you're going to let me read a title. I am so excited. I want you to read the title of this. All right. Do you want me to read it silently or? I want you to read it silently. I want to hear your reaction. (sighs) (laughs) You read it? (laughs) Oh man. That's just. Sambo. (laughs) Sambo. (laughs) Kids come running for the rich taste of Sambo. (laughs) Oh God. I haven't seen that episode since the nineties. That was a great episode. Oh, which one was that? Uh, The day the earth froze. Okay. That was the the day the earth froze. Day the Earth Froze. Oh, okay. That was something. Mystery okay. Science Theater, if we're talking people. Huh. Uh, so Lord. Sample was actually a, a company that made monitors and TVs, and they uh, made a black and white TV with built-in Pong. <laughs> so you can play Sampo Pong. <laughs> oh, boy. Sampo Pong. <laughs> I don't know how I just came upon this, but I had to share that with you. Maybe we'll just link that in the show notes also. You know, if we had done this just a few weeks earlier, I would have talked about a Donkey Pong that Atari oh. tried to come out with and which it was basically there just to piss off Nintendo. <laughs> when you missed the ball, there'd be a message that said uh, something like, try not to make an ass out of yourself next time. Oh, you know, donkey and everything, but, <laughs> but it's weeks later. So it's too it late too for late. that. So, yeah. So if you've learned anything from this uh, episode, it's, a, then I am shocked. A, buy one of these do-it-yourself <laughs> Pong kits from American yes, Science and yes. Surplus, and B, uh, check out the Plockman's Mustard website. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. that should be the t- name of this episode. Plockman's and Pong. Plockman's and Pong. Or Pong mm. and Plockman. sounds like a law firm almost. <laughs> or or a uh, old-timey, like... Plockman's Cusco and Pong. Or it could be an old uh, apothecary. I Ooh, don't know. yes. A chemist's, if you will. Yeah. So uh, I think that's all we have to say. There's no theme. Yeah, just, except to thank thank some people for, no theme for today. helping us. Yeah, no theme, no real theme. It's just pong, 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 pong. Pong, 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 pong. We were actually oh, originally planning. I'm going to have Hyde drop something in there. <laughs> we were actually originally planning this as our April Fool's episode and putting in a bunch of like miscellaneous uh, untrue fun facts about pong, like uh, like donkey pong. Donkey pong and uh, <laughs> pong never did sleep with that woman. Uh, uh, sort of oh, thing, Jesus. but, uh, after, uh, reading about Pong and some of its history and stuff like that, it was like, there is enough, uh, enough material oh, yeah. here to play it straight as, or as straight as we can play yeah. it here. So let's thank some people. Yeah. Um, in particular, we're going to thank. Oh, uh, by the way, no, uh, we're not going to rank this game because that would be kind of pointless. I think. Yeah. I, neither one of us has actually played it. Not so. the original. And not even, original, if, we, we even if we had, what's the point? It's Pong. It's Pong. But you know what's not Pong? What's not Pong? Richard Valdez. He's not Pong. He's a Patreon sponsor whom we should thank, along with PJ Steele, Nate Lockhart, Underground Retrocade, Art Guglielmo, Christian Williams, Mark Super, Keith Sheehan, Lance Andres, Kurt Musgrave, Daniel Chavez, New Balance Stores Phoenix, Timmy Mac Retro Game Club Podcast, Rory Coleman, Richard Grounds, the SNES Podcast, Atari Bytes, Mike Hat and J, Kevin Bean, and D. Alex. Thank you all so much for uh, your Patreon support. And I swear we are trying to come up with some Patreon-exclusive content. We really, really are. Uh, with our busy schedules and things, we just kind of forgot. Yeah, I know. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Uh, really good news is uh, our most recent payout went to UNICEF to help out uh, the kids over in uh, Ukraine. And uh, so thank you all for for that. Uh, we Jimmy G and I chipped in a few bucks, too, so we could 
also do that so we we're not just going to leave it up to everybody else but uh yeah uh jimmy g speaking of which uh what do we have going on for esopode uh, 131 hold on one second here we already forgot okay no uh for the next episode i was just trying to see if i could get to um nate lockhart's um twitter account to see uh, if there, he's posted an update to uh his uh his little project okay his last update was uh oh just uh two days ago uh got the image to be a lot more stable now we got to figure out why the ball isn't generating correctly Hmm. so oh that reminds me of a uh that 70s show when uh red foreman got a pong console yes and yeah, they made and, it uh, more difficult yeah he and kelso hacked it to make the the paddle smaller yes which i want to know how they figured that out so yeah he's building a uh mini pong console thingy and um and she might want to follow him on twitter He's one of our patrons. We're talking about Nate Lockhart, not uh, Red Foreman. Not Red Foreman. So next episode, let's get to that. We're going to talk about a game I've been wanting to get to for quite a while now, uh, Wacko. Wacko. And Snake Pit. Snake Pit. Oh, what was the theme? Oh, yeah. Oh, the theme is going to be... Watch out for snakes. Uh, There's no snakes in Wacko. Spoiler alert. Come on, man. (laughs) So there we go. So we hope you enjoyed this extra special episode where we waxed eloquent about pong indeed and we will talk to you all in about a month or so and uh yeah so oh yes uh by the way oh do tell in a couple of months sean and i have decided that we're going to do uh we want to do uh kind of like a ask us anything ask me anything sort of thing so if you have any questions for either me or sean about pretty much any topic other than politics religion and sex uh, just uh, email us at uh, piefactory at fab4it.com or piefactorypodcast at fab4it.com. Mm-hmm. Maybe hit us up on our Discord, too. I don't know how yep. long it, it would stay up there, but uh, yeah. So hit us well, up on there. It will stay there. We just we just ask for an invite if you can't find it. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, PiefactoryPFP. Uh, you can reach us there, too. Um, and uh, hey, if anybody want, if anybody uh, sees a tall, fat guy with uh, really bad blonde hair at Midwest Gaming Classic, I'm probably that guy. You know, <laughs> say hi. And like I said, I'm not going to be there, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, we, we're no, no no pie factory booth or anything, and I'm just going to be there as a uh, uh, everyday paying patron, which I really enjoy, by the way. Yeah, if you got a table, you can't see stuff. Even yeah, and even if you do have someone to help watch the table, you're still limited on time. Yeah, and you don't want to, and even if they say, oh, stay as long as you want, I, I don't want to do that to somebody. No, no. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. there you go. So, we'll talk to you all in a little bit, a couple of weeks, And whatever. all I have to say at this point is lead. Lead. All right, so, uh, support your local arcade, and bye-bye. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. That's a great thing about being an employee of Fossum. There's no way I know it's today. I get like a like a 10% discount and then I get the uh, if they have one of their other sales going on at the same time I get that discount and uh, I don't even have to have cash I just present my employee ID and it gets gets deducted from my next paycheck
that's kind of nice. Uh, do you so, want Hyde to bleep out your employer name? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Well, of course, we might have to bleep out that whole bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> now that I think about it. Yeah, he'll or figure he could, it out, he, I'm sure. Yeah, he'll. Yeah, just any, wipe any. We pay him enough. Out. Good grief. Yeah, that's true. Pong, 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 pong. Pong, 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 pong. Hey, Jude.